of the EdTech Classroom Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with me today, and I hope we can grow and learn together as 21st century educators. I'm a teacher, EdTech coach, online business owner, and coffee-fueled design thinker. I am passionate about education technology, project-based learning, and innovative learning models. I started EdTech Classroom to empower teachers across the world to use technology in effective, thoughtful, and meaningful ways in their classrooms. Now, I have to say that I just love the idea of being able to harness innovation and creativity in my classroom. This mindset embodies so much of what I do, explore, study, and create. I spend so much of my time thinking about the ways that we can use technology to empower teachers rather than replace them. My teacher friends have heard me say this time and time again, but in many ways, students are currently living and learning in an outdated industrial model of education. Instead, I argue, as do so many others in the EdTech community, that we should be setting students up with the critical thinking and creative problem-solving skills necessary to be successful in the 21st century. So thanks for joining me here today. That's a little bit about who I am, and I can't wait to share something I've created for all of you. The EdTech Classroom Summer 2020 Booklist for Teachers. At the time of this recording, we are living in a world that is blistered with problems. It's June 2020, and over the past few days, there have been mass protests across the U.S. as a result of the murder of George Floyd and more largely, centuries of police brutality and racism in this country. We are also in the middle of the global coronavirus pandemic. Over the past few months, students across the world have been learning from their homes, instead of at school, in an attempt to flatten the curve and stop the spread of COVID-19. Teachers have been tasked with teaching their students, as young as preschool age, from a computer screen. This is a big ask for teachers, especially ones who are working at home with limited tech resources or who have extenuating circumstances at home. Now, distance teaching should not be confused with online learning. This is something that I've read people saying a lot lately, and I really disagree. Teachers and students aren't just teaching and learning remotely, But instead, our teachers and students are emergency remote teaching and learning. Teachers didn't have time to plan meaningful online lessons. And you know that expression that it's a marathon, not a sprint? I think that for many teachers and students, this experience has felt like sprinting a marathon. Now that it's June and many schools across the U.S. are now on summer break, we can all finally take a deep breath. If you're a teacher, an administrator, a parent, or an educator listening right now, you did it. And it's okay to feel relieved that this period of emergency remote teaching is over. And I hope that all of you can find the time to rest 
to relax and to recharge this summer. I hope you all find time and space for more deep breaths before we launch back into some more uncertainty this fall. For me, rest and reflection takes form in many different ways. I'm a bookworm. I am an avid, avid reader. Authors like Cheryl Strayed and Cleo Wade and Roxane Gay and Gia Tolentino have changed and rocked my world. This summer, however, I've found myself actually gravitating toward books that look at the education system with a critical lens. I've always been a fan of pedagogy. I I love learning about learning. Of course, that doesn't mean that you have to read this summer if you really just need time to chill, to lay on the couch, watch Netflix, or spend time outdoors. I totally get that. Um, In fact, as soon as I'm done recording this podcast, you will absolutely be finding me on the couch, sandwiched between a bowl of popcorn and maybe also a glass of wine. In all seriousness, I've found through some conversations with teachers and administrators lately that more and more teachers are looking for books that talk about topics like creativity in education and progressive education, um, project-based learning, solutionary schools, the list goes on. And I find that reading a couple of books over the summer, for me, actually really helps me stay inspired and stay motivated to work in the field of education. I also think that this summer, given the uncertainty of what education will look like in the fall, it's also a really great time for all of us to be taking ownership over our own professional development. So because of this, I've rounded up a list of the six books that I think will resonate with teachers the most during the context that we are currently living in. So without further ado, let's dive into the EdTech Classroom 2020 Summer Book List. Book number one, What School Could Be by Ted Dintersmith. If you haven't read What School Could Be, I'm going to need you to stop everything that you are doing right now and read this book. Well, maybe finish this episode first, but then drop absolutely everything you are doing and read it. From the back of the book. During the 2016 school year, innovation expert Ted Dentersmith took an unprecedented trip across America, visiting 200 schools across all 50 states. He set out to deliver a message about the urgent need to reimagine education to prepare students for the career and citizenship demands of an increasingly innovative world. And that he did. But his trip turned into something more. All across the country, he met innovative teachers creating learning experiences where children learn joyously as they develop purpose, essential competencies, agency, and deep knowledge. These remarkable teachers, doing extraordinary things in ordinary circumstances, offer a vision of what school could be and the model for achieving it. But even more, what school could be inspires us with an aspirational view of education that gives our country a fighting chance to revive the American dream and preserve our democracy. I believe that this book provides insight that applies to 
not only schools as we know them, but I think that also these ideas can be extended to the possibility of continued distributed learning. Um, we, we don't know what next school year will look like. And this book will help you think outside the box with concrete examples of ways that teachers are already reimagining education. What I love about this book is that Dinnersmith isn't interested in doing things better. Instead, he's basically arguing that we need to be doing better things. So what exactly does doing better things look like? Dinnersmith argues that students learn and thrive in environments that allow them to develop what he calls to be peak principles. Peak stands for purpose, essentials, agency, and knowledge. So for purpose, basically what that means is that students are able to attack challenges that they know to be important so that they can then develop solutions that make their world better. For essentials, that means that students are able to acquire the skill sets and mindsets needed in an increasingly innovative world. For agency, students are able to own their learning and become self-directed, intrinsically motivated adults. And then lastly, for knowledge, what students learn is deep and retained, enabling them to create, to make, and to teach others. And then I'll end this book review with a quote from the book that gives me chills every single time I read it. Once someone sees what schools could be, there's no turning back. Book number two, Thinking at Every Desk, Four Simple Skills to Transform Your Classroom by Derek and Laura Cabrera. From the back of the book. Designed to transform teaching practice, this book provides the tools to understand thinking patterns and how learning actually happens, empowers kids to explore new ways of building knowledge, and allows teachers to structure learning in the most meaningful way possible. I picked this book for a number of reasons, but one really stands out. Right now, we are living in a world with problems that are so far out of our control. Students are desperate for agency. And systems thinking, I think, is really critical to helping students develop agency. And for those of you who aren't familiar with systems thinking, it's basically a way of thinking and analysis that looks at how different parts in a system relate and then how these interconnected parts are also part of a larger whole or system which is then also a part of another system and so on and so forth the authors of this book believe in the power of systems thinking and advocate for these four different underlying principles which they refer to as dsrp so for D, we have distinctions, S is systems, R is relationships, and P is perspectives. So this means that students make distinctions between different things, and they organize these things into systems of parts and wholes. Students also relate these things to each other, and then everyone does these things from different perspectives. For some more insight into what this means, I'm going to read another short excerpt from the book. 
We live in a fast-paced, globalized world where knowledge is growing and changing at a rate we can't keep up with. Our schools need to prepare students for jobs that don't exist, that will use technology not yet invented to solve unknown problems in a society we can only imagine. In this 21st century, students need not only to know the content knowledge covered in school, they also will need to know how to think. Thinking is not important just in schools, but also for our businesses and our country as a whole. This framework can be used in your classroom, both your physical classroom and your virtual classroom. And I'd recommend this book if you are looking for a quick read and an introduction to DSRP or systems thinking in general. I will say, however, if you're looking for a book with some larger takeaways and specific classroom examples, I'd probably recommend checking out one of the other books on this list. Book number three, Lifelong Kindergarten, Cultivating Creativity Through Projects, Passion, Peers, and Play by Mitchell Resnick. From the back of the book. In kindergartens these days, children spend more time with math worksheets and phonics flashcards than building blocks and finger paint. Kindergarten is becoming more like the rest of school. In Lifelong Kindergarten, learning expert Mitchell Resnick argues for exactly the opposite. The rest of school, even the rest of life, should be more like kindergarten. Drawing on experiences from more than 30 years at MIT's Media Lab, Resnick discusses new technologies and strategies for engaging young people in creative learning experiences. He tells stories of how children are programming their own games, stories, and inventions in collaborating through remixing, crowdsourcing, and large-scale group projects. To thrive in today's fast-changing world, people of all ages must learn to think and act creatively. And the best way to do that is by focusing more on imagining, creating, playing, sharing, and reflecting, just as children do in traditional kindergartens. Mitch Resnick is the creator of Scratch Programming Language, for those of you who didn't know that, and the Lifelong Kindergarten Lab. Resnick is also a professor at MIT, and I love this book because Resnick so firmly declares that kindergarten is the best invention of all time, and I really couldn't agree more. Resnick's four Ps of creative learning, projects, passion, peers, and play all act as a framework that you can implement in your classroom regardless of what grade level you teach today. As Resnick writes, this book draws on stories and lessons from these projects to explore both the why and the how of creative thinking, building the case for why creative thinking is so important in today's world, and sharing strategies for how to help young people develop as creative thinkers. I recommend this book for anyone who has a kid, for anyone who cares about kids, cares about learning and creativity. I recommend this book to administrators, to teachers, to adults who love learning, adults who want to love learning, and anyone and everyone who is even the slightest bit intrigued about the role of tech 
in children and young people's lives. Book number four, Hacking School Discipline, Nine Ways to Create a Culture of Empathy and Responsibility Using Restorative Justice by Nathan Maynard and Brad Weinstein. From the back of the book. Every day brings a new chance to connect with your most difficult students and inspire them with relentless kindness and encouragement. Many are used to adults giving up on them, but with restorative practice, you can stop punishing your students and instead empower them to be accountable for their actions. Now, what I love about this book, which makes it a little bit different from the others, is that you can read this book today and implement immediate changes in your classroom tomorrow. This book is actionable. It isn't filled with theory or pie-in-the-sky ideas. It gives an example of an event and then gives you step-by-step instructions on how to respond. This book has helped me so much with classroom management and with implementing restorative justice in my classroom. This book has taught me how to build a culture of empathy, enhance communication and collaboration with my students, and encourage reflection on behaviors and ways to discuss impactful change. I recommend this book to teachers who are looking to change what discipline looks like at their school and in their classroom. Book number five, Loving Learning, How Progressive Education Can Save America's Schools by Tom Little and Katherine Ellison. This book might be most applicable for teachers or administrators working in independent schools, but nonetheless, it has great takeaways for those who are interested in progressive education in general. From the book jacket. The longtime head of Park Day School, Tom Little embarked on a tour of 43 progressive schools across the country. In this book, his life's work, he interweaves his teaching experience, the knowledge he gleaned from his trip, and the history of progressive education. As Little and Katherine Ellison reveal, these educators and schools invigorate learning and promote inquisitiveness by allowing the curriculum to grow organically out of children's questions, whether they lead to studying the senses, working on a farm, or recreating a desert ecosystem in the classroom. We see curious students draw on information across disciplines to think in imaginative yet practical ways like in a mini maker fair or designing and building a chair from scratch. Becoming good citizens was another one of Little's goals. He believed in the need for students to learn how to become advocates for themselves, from setting rules on the playground to engaging in issues of social justice in the wider community. This book also has some wonderful takeaways about the power of technology, which to me seems timely given that many schools will be adopting a blended learning model next year. This book also gives some pretty solid examples on how teachers at progressive schools across the country are incorporating creativity, student voice and choice, and critical thinking into their classrooms. As I mentioned, I do want to point out that the majority of the schools listed in this book are private schools that charge tuition, um, often at some pretty high price points. For this reason, if you are choosing to read this book, please keep in mind that some of the schools 
have implemented some pretty expensive changes and programs that aren't necessarily feasible for every school to adopt. Um, despite this, these examples do shed light onto the ways that we can reimagine schools through a lens of progressive education. Progressive, to me, doesn't have to be synonymous with expensive, and this book can stretch us to reimagine what learning looks like in our classrooms. And lastly, book number six, The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness by Michelle Alexander. From the back of the book. Once in a great while, a book comes along that changes the way we see the world and helps to fuel a nationwide social movement. The New Jim Crow is such a book. Praised by Harvard Law professor Lonnie Guineer as brave and bold, this book directly challenges the notion that the election of Barack Obama signals a new era of colorblindness. With dazzling candor, legal scholar Michelle Alexander argues that we have not ended racial caste in America. We have merely redesigned it. By targeting black men through the war on drugs and decimating communities of color, the U.S. criminal justice system functions as a contemporary system of racial control, relegating millions to a permanent second-class status, even as it formally adheres to the principle of colorblindness. In the words of Benjamin Todd Jealous, president and CEO of the NAACP, this book is a call to action. Just a week ago, George Floyd was brutally murdered by a police officer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Issues of racism and police brutality in this country have existed for hundreds of years. And as teachers, it is our responsibility to educate not only our students, but also ourselves. We are largely responsible for shaping the future of this country. We teach students who will one day grow up to be politicians, police officers, activists, writers, lawyers, the people who make really big decisions in this country. It is not enough to just be not racist. We need to be anti-racist, and it's important for non-Black folks, like myself, to educate ourselves on the history of systemic oppression racism, and discrimination in this country. This summer, I'll be reading The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, and I'll also be reading White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin D'Angelo. I hope that you'll join me in reading one of these books. I also have a bonus book that I am including specifically for my podcast listeners Screen time has been a very controversial and trendy topic in the field of education for ages now. And it would seem that screen time for students these days is only increasing. I wanted to include an additional book recommendation that focuses on screen time specifically. Screenwise, Helping Kids Thrive and Survive in Their Digital World by Devorah Heitner. I appreciate this book because it focuses on an optimistic view of how we as parents and teachers can support, coach, and guide students with technology use. Instead of monitoring screen time, this book proposes that we mentor children and young people on how to build healthy relationships with technology. 
I recommend this book to teachers, administrators, and parents who are looking to learn more about how we can support students and manage screen time in positive and effective ways. Now this concludes EdTech Classroom's Summer 2020 book list for teachers. I came up with this list to inspire teachers, to spark discussion, and to share the words that have shaped and changed my classroom for the better. If you would like to connect, you can follow me on Instagram at edtechclass, or you can also send me an email at myedtechclassroom at gmail.com. Seriously, I'm not kidding. If you want to chat about these books, please email me. I'd love to connect. Let's be friends. Let's learn and grow together. Until then, make sure you visit back here next week. I will be posting a new podcast every Tuesday in honor of my favorite weekly holiday, Tech Tuesday. We'll cover topics like project-based learning, distance learning, lesson plan ideas, and so, so, so much more. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I'll see you again next week on Tech Tuesday. Bye, friends.